Ignition running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Good evening, Atlanta. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. Atlanta's Evening News on WSB. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talk. Welcome. Welcome. You can call in if you want. We got to talk about Nike, and I bet you want to talk about Nike and the situation with uh, Nike. Let me bring you up to speed. Two days ago, Nike canceled a shoe uh, that was designed by a Japanese designer. The Japanese designer uses the brand Undercover. I, I couldn't pronounce his name out of respect to him. I don't even want to try. But he, on his Instagram page, put up a picture of protesters in Hong Kong with the statement, um, uh, no, oh, no deportation to China or no deportation to the mainland, something like that. Essentially, he was expressing his solidarity with the protesters in Hong Kong. Now, we need to take one more step back here. Let me explain to you what's happening in Hong Kong. When the British handed over Hong Kong to the Chinese in the 1990s, it was one of the last colonial possessions of, of Great Britain to be turned over. Uh, Margaret Thatcher's presumption at the time is that Hong Kong values would uh, seep into China. Well, China essentially created a big firewall around Hong Kong, and Hong Kong could have a democracy, have their parliament, uh, have their votes, have no communist party. And that wouldn't penetrate to the mainland. Well, over time, the Chinese, though, have been penetrating communism into Hong Kong. Well, and the last big step was a Christian uh, Hong Kong businesswoman was elected as the leader of Hong Kong by the dissidents who don't like the Chinese communist government. She, in turn, betrayed them and began working with the Chinese government uh, on a extradition legislation. Under Hong Kong law right now, if you are in Hong Kong, you cannot be extradited to mainland China. What this legislation would do, it would allow Hong Kong to extradite dissidents to mainland China. It's a really big deal. Literally millions of people have taken to the streets in Hong Kong to protest this legislation. Uh, it's become the the, the umbrella um, it, oh, what are they calling it? The, the um, not the umbrella riots, the umbrella protests. Uh, people are being tear gas is being fired on people. So you know, uh, Hong Kong is an island, and so everyone lives in skyscrapers. And the people in the skyscrapers are dropping umbrellas down to the protesters so they can shield themselves from the tear gas. It's been a very big deal. So this Japanese designer tweets out and Instagrams out support for solidarity with the uh, people of Hong Kong, the dissidents who are protesting. And so Nike, two days ago, cancels the line of shoes and apparel designed by this Japanese designer. It's a very big deal that they're doing this. It's a very big deal they're canceling a Japanese designer, a world-famous Japanese designer's apparel and shoes because he has aligned himself with the people of Hong Kong against the Chinese communist regime. If that wasn't bad enough, now Nike has come out and said that they're canceling an American shoe that has the historic original American flag designed by Betsy Ross on the back of it. Now, you can say there's an argument over do you want an American flag on a shoe that could get muddy? Is that disrespectful? It's not the current American flag. It's a historic American flag. And they were pr producing it for Independence Day, and now they've decided not to because Colin Kaepernick said that this flag is a flag of racism and slavery, even though Betsy Ross did it. I assumed he uncovered some old Betsy Ross tweets or something, but nope, it's just the symbol of the flag. Uh, what it meant to him was bad. And so Nike has pulled back the shoes that they already designed, and people are really upset about it. So Doug Ducey is the governor of Arizona. 
They were supposed to have an announcement today in Arizona uh, about a new Nike facility they were building in uh, Arizona, I think the Flagstaff area. And they have decided the governor of Arizona has to cancel the Nike facility or at least cancel state payment and subsidy of the Nike facility in response to Nike pulling the American flag. Doug Ducey, the governor of Arizona, who, by the way, great guy. I know him. Uh, really nice guy. And he said, if Nike is going to show disrespect for the American flag like this, this isn't a company we want our state tax dollars going to. And so they've pulled it back. Yay, Doug Ducey. Everybody, conservatives cheering Doug Ducey. Uh, proud, proud moment. But I would submit to you it's a little more complicated than that on the, on the government side. What is the difference between Doug Ducey doing this to Nike and the San Antonio City Council blocking Chick-fil-A from opening an airport because they don't like Chick-fil-A's politics? I, I think it's a fair question. Um, it, I personally am I'm really torn on the issue because I kind of like that Doug Ducey stuck it to Nike for this. And by the way, Nike is not coming out and saying anything else. Uh, sources at Nike are saying this. Sources close to Colin Kaepernick are confirming it. But Kaepernick and Nike really aren't saying anything. See, Nike made this intentional decision that they could go woke, that Nike could align themselves with woke culture, and it actually helped them. Nike became very popular in some segments of the progressive community because Nike was now the woke shoe, uh, as opposed to Under Armour. You know, Under the common man likes Under I'm wearing an Under Armour shirt right now. Uh, golf shirt and Nike can now be a little more exclusive and a little more um, in your face about progressive culture and wokeism and whatnot. And the, the media loves it. Woke culture loves it. Progressives love it. They, they love that Colin Kaepernick is taking Nike to take this position. And they're really upset with Doug Ducey today. They're really, really upset with him in, in the state of Arizona doing what they did. But I think you need to step back and go up to 30,000 feet and look at this. Nike has now sided with an NFL player for saying that the American flag of the Revolutionary War, where we gained independence, is a symbol of racism. And Nike has also sided with the communist Chinese against democratic activists in Hong Kong. That paints a very troubling picture of the internal corporate culture of Nike, and it's one we should be concerned with. So there's a larger issue, I think, that we as people need to understand. Uh, a couple of things. One, if you want a corporation uh, to to go woke, you need to understand that there are states that will respond because their their citizens are largely against this woke progressivism. At the same time, you need to understand that if you're okay with your government uh, punishing a corporation— for going woke, well, then you're going to see progressive cities and progressive states turn on conservatives. And we're already seeing that, by the way. We've got the situation in California where the Los Angeles City Council is requiring that contractors uh, that contractors disclose whether or not they've given money to pro-life organizations or gun organizations or anything like that so that they can deny these contractors contracts for the city. Yeah, did you know this? It's particularly with Second Amendment groups that if you're a contractor wanting a contract in the city of Los Angeles, you have to disclose whether or not you've given money to a, a, a pro-Second pro Amendment group. And if you have given money to a pro-Second Amendment group, the odds are you're not going to get the contract from the city. That's happening right now in the United States. You've got the situation in San Antonio where the San Antonio City Council and in Buffalo, New York— 
are both saying we don't want Chick-fil-A in our airports, not because they're closed on Sunday, but because the leadership at Chick-fil-A is conservative and gives to the Salvation Army, uh, future um, it, 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 fellowship of Christian athletes, and supports traditional marriage. So I guess turnabout is fair play, and in that regard, I think that's that's fine. But you know, the ultimate issue here is that government shouldn't be giving these companies money to begin with. Arizona should not be giving a favorable tax deal to Nike to build a facility in Arizona. Arizona should have such a favorable business climate that Nike wants to go to Arizona. Now, courts have gotten involved in this, and I suspect a court will get involved in this if Nike wants to sue, because viewpoint discrimination by the government against corporations is as wrong as viewpoint discrimination by the government against individuals. That's not my opinion. That's the law. And if you don't like it, then you got a, you got a legal issue there. So that's where we are. I, I I really want to cheer on Doug Ducey for this. In fact, I did. If you go to the resurgent.com, um, where you should be going every day, uh, I wrote a piece, good for Doug Ducey, I said. But I do think we need to understand that it, progressive cities and states and counties targeting conservative businesses, we're going to see conservative states, counties, and cities target progressive businesses. There are fewer of us than there are of them. We're going to weaponize this issue. It's going to wind up hurting conservatives more than progressives. I think it's the right thing to do, but I don't think Arizona should have ever given a deal to Nike to begin with. But I also think that Nike as a private corporation is allowed to do these things, but I'm also allowed to not shop at Nike. Now, I, I full disclosure, I, I don't actually go to Nike anyway. I don't like their shoes. I know a lot of people do. They don't fit my feet. I don't I don't have Nike golf balls. I, I don't have Nike apparel. I don't have Nike shoes. Uh, just I'm I've never been a huge Nike fan to begin with. Uh, I do like Tiger Woods. Um, I may have some Tiger Woods golf balls, so I take that back. But nonetheless, you get my point. But they're a private corporation. They're allowed to do this. But I think what we're going to see more and more is conservatives step away. Conservatives never really stepped away from Nike when uh, the Colin Kaepernick thing first happened, when they invested him and made him their star and they went with woke culture. Uh, conservatives just thought this is this one-off thing. But here's the other thing about Kaepernick here. Kaepernick's objection is that the American flag of the Revolutionary War, where, where Crispus Attucks died, that that's a symbol of racism. Colin Kaepernick originally said that his taking the knee was not about the flag. It was about he wanted to highlight criminal justice reform. Later, he said it was about the flag. He wasn't going to kneel to that flag or wasn't going to stand for that flag. But originally, remember, the spin was all, oh, this is just a protest about criminal justice reform. No, maybe we should believe that Colin Kaepernick is who he says he is. And he said ultimately that it was about the flag, that, that he doesn't like the American flag. He views the American flag as a symbol of racism. Well, that then begs the question, the current spin is that you shouldn't use that flag, the Betsy Ross flag, because that was a flag that flew over slaves. You should use the current flag, the American flag, but that is the current flag. You're not supposed to have it on apparel. And that's a flag that also Colin Kaepernick said was a symbol of racism. And Nike went along with all of that. The issue, I guess what I'm trying to get at is it's a little more complicated. It's not just Nike did this bad, Doug Ducey did this yay. I, I, I don't think governments should get into viewpoint discrimination. I don't think governments should give deals to private corporations at all. But if this is where we're headed, I'm totally on Doug Ducey's side. That's just the reality of it.
Are you struggling to get sleep these days? You're not alone. One in three of us, we don't get enough sleep. That is Americans. Of course we don't. We're always busy. We're always wired. We're always thinking we can't turn our brains off. If you're not sleeping enough, though, it affects your cognitive functions. So you're learning, you're problem solving, your decision making. They all start to suck because you're not getting enough sleep. Did you know that a good night's sleep is like magic remedy for the brain and the body? When you sleep well, we're more focused, we're more relaxed. It even makes us happier. Well, I got a way to help you sleep. And yes, believe it or not, it's an app. It's not a pill. It's an app. It's Calm. Calm is the number one app for sleep. Sleep deficiency does serious damage, not just to your brain, but to your body. Sleepless nights give you proneness to accidents and injuries, weight gain, depression. You need to sleep. You really do. Everybody in my house uses the Calm app. Me, my wife, my kids, my 10-year-old absolutely loves it, listens to it every single night on his iPad. I have it on my iPhone. I used it last week when I was in Silicon Valley at night after I had a very, very important meeting with a very, very famous person, and I was so wired afterwards, I turned it on. It was able to help me go to sleep. Why? Well, you just you listen to the call map, and it lulls you to sleep. My listeners get $25 off a Calm Premium subscription at calm.com slash Eric. That's C-A-L-M dot com slash Eric. 40 million people have downloaded Calm. Find out why at calm.com slash Eric. C-A-L-M dot com slash E-R-I-C-K. It is Eric Erickson here, News 95.5 AM 750 WSB and Atlantis Evening News. The phone number 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Let's go to the phone. Shane is calling from Winder. Shane, welcome to the program. Yes, sir. I love your show, and I just wanted to say I think there's a big difference between San Antonio telling Chick-fil-A we're not going to rent you space to do business and Arizona telling Nike, we're not going to pay you money for because we don't agree with your values. Mm-hmm. You know, that just seems to me a big difference but, between Chick-fil-A I mean, renting space and, and Arizona giving away money. Well, yeah, okay, yeah, but it, it's on the same premise. It's, it's viewpoints, Chick-fil-A being able to get space. They can't get an airport contract because... The city of San Antonio doesn't like their views, the, their owner's views, not the business, their owner's views. And then right. you've got in Arizona, they can't get the state uh, tax contract because of their views. I mean, yeah, I, I see if you want to quibble with the details, one's a lease and one's a, a state tax exemption contract, but they're both contracts awarded by uh, governments. I mean, governments give contracts all the time. Um, they give a contract for, say, private waste collection in some cases. Um, so you're saying that, that Chick-fil-A shouldn't get a lease at an airport. Let's just, I mean, hypothetically, a lease at an airport, it's different from a contract to do private municipal waste collection. Yes, it's true. They're different. But, I mean, they're saying they're, they are grants by a government to a business that benefits the business. The tax contract that would be given to Nike in Arizona, I think it was in Flagstaff. Don't let me do that, though. Um, that is a grant by a government. It is a it is a legal agreement binding the two in the same way a lease is. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, they're different at the superficial level, but ultimately it is about the views. And, and here again, I, I want to say I, I am very conflict, conflicted on this because I totally understand what Doug Ducey is doing and I understand why he's doing it. And I think that if 
Uh, you've got a government situation where taxpayer dollars are going to subsidize a business. You can say, you know what, I, I don't actually want this business here. By the way, I got an issue with us having Netflix here now in Georgia. Did you know they've got some show coming out? Teenage Bounty Hunter Sluts. I'm not making that up. That's an actual title. Uh, a, a source who is very close to Netflix put that on my radar. So they're going to film it here in Georgia. He referred to it as pedo bait. He said there are about 10 shows at Netflix that you can be sure that uh, people you don't want near your kids, that those are the viewers of these shows. And this will be one. That's him, not me. Um, Maybe we should reconsider Netflix. Welcome back. It is Eric Erickson here. News 95.5 AM 750 WSB. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800 WSB Talk. If you're on the line, hold on the line just a couple minutes because uh, I, I, I want to say something. I want to make sure I have time to say it. I do want to take your phone calls. I'm here until 7 o'clock tonight. If I've got to spend all night taking your phone calls, I will. I'm sure Scott will absolutely love that one. Um, but... I, I want to say <laughs> you heard that. <laughs> I, I, I absolutely, while I have time in a long segment here, I want to say this. Today is the day that the Second Continental Congress began debate on what became known as the Declaration of Independence. Uh, John Adams actually wrote to Abigail Adams that uh, this would be the day we would mark as our date of independence, the, the date that they began that debate. And I think it's fitting that we discuss this just briefly in light of what Nike is doing with that first colonial flag by the revolutionaries that they don't want it on a shoe because it's a symbol of racism. One of the great debates that would be had by the Continental Congress was what to do with the slaves. And in fact, many slaves fought for their freedom. Unfortunately, many of them thinking they were fighting for their own freedom and and they did not. Uh, ultimately getting that. One of the great compromises of the Constitution, in fact, was how do you consider slaves uh, for population counts? And a lot of people these days view the three-fifths compromise as a pro-slavery compromise. Actually, it wasn't. The South very much wanted full counts, and it was the North that refused to count slaves, and that was the compromise, the the three-fifths compromise. It it moved the South away from what they wanted. It also began barring further importation of slaves into the colonies. Frederick Douglass himself said there was nothing pro-slavery in the Constitution, and yet here we are in woke culture where the revolutionaries were bad. Today is the day they began discussing this. When in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bonds which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them, a decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness." 
Prudence indeed will dictate that governments long established should not be changed for light and transient causes, and accordingly all experience has shown that mankind has, are more disposed to suffer while evils are sufferable than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are accustomed. But when a long train of abuses and usurpations per, pursuing invariably the same object evinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism, it is their right, it is their duty to throw off such government and to provide new guards for their future security. Such has been the patient sufferance of these colonies. And they began then to outline their cause of grievances specifically against Great Britain, which was run by a king. They believed still that the king was supreme over parliament, and they believed that it was King George who was to blame for all the problems. And it was the colonists who decided that because King George was to blame and was not listening to their grievances, that they then therefore needed a new government. And they began that debate today in 1776. And it was a debate that was held over two days the 2nd and the 3rd of July. And on that third day, they came back and they signed the Declaration of Independence. And those men were willing to die for the cause. Now, here's the interesting thing. Just to pose this with what's happening right now, with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez saying that our government is running concentration camps or the Antifa protesters in Portland who wear masks and protest and throw bottles of pee or the Proud Boys who march in Charlottesville, North, uh, Virginia, with tiki torches. Are any of them willing to die for their beliefs? Are any of them willing to pledge their lives, their fortunes, their sacred honor for their beliefs? The founders of this country were for a more perfect union. Not a perfect union, but a more perfect union. That debate began today. It's one we still have in this country. It's one worth having, but it's not one we should look at with shame like Nike and Antifa protesters and members of Congress are doing. There's a Gallup poll out today that shows American patriotism is at the lowest it's been since Gallup started asking the question. And do you know why? Because only about a quarter of Democrats right now are proud of their country, which is shocking. Uh, it plummeted precipitously after Donald Trump was elected. Our view of our country of whether or not it's great should not be dependent on who the man in the White House is. And I thought it very striking that even when Barack Obama was in the White House, Republicans still had a higher view of this country than Democrats did. And I would submit to you that there are plenty of good countries around the world, but we are a great country because we're founded not only not on a premise of skin color or blood and soil, but on the ideas that our founders fought for. So, you know, I, I just I, I wanted to dwell on this point for just a minute here. Uh, one, because of the clock, I've got time. Um, but two, I just I think it's worth noting in this context that this debate began uh, in 1776 and it began on this day. And here we are all of these years later with Nike now saying they're not going to put the flag that these men were willing to fight and die for on a shoe because it's a symbol of something that they don't like when at the time it was a great symbol even for people who were not free to stand up and rise and fight for their beliefs. Now, I will engage your phone calls. I just, I wanted to get that off my chest. Uh, let us begin with Tom in Powder Springs. Tom, welcome to the program. Thank you. Uh, I, I think there's a distinct difference between the uh, Chick-fil-A and Arizona, Arizona and, and San Antonio. And the uh, Nike situation. Okay. One is the actions of the corporation. You know, 
of well, but th- that, that's, to the actions but Tom, of a that's corporation. What, that's what San Antonio would say, is is that uh, Chick-fil-A was giving money to the Salvation uh, Chick-fil-A's Army. Chick-fil-A's not giving money. Yeah, 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 yeah. Chick-fil-A itself. Chick-fil-A has a foundation. Chick-fil-A gives money to the foundation. The foundation gives money. They gave it to the Salvation Army and the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. It wasn't just Dan Cathy. It was also Chick-fil-A's foundation, what they, they gave their money to. Uh, that That's a foundation. Yeah. That's different. Well, I mean, how how it's it's a foundation that's controlled by the corporation. I mean, let's listen, listen, Tom. Ultimately, I, I I get what you and others are getting to is, oh my God, I like Chick Fil A, therefore their situation is different. How dare you compare the two? But this is exactly the situation that the left makes. I mean, this is exactly the situation that that the other side is arguing that that Nike's a corporation and and they're allowed to do this and they're not discriminating against anyone. Uh, but Chick Fil A is discriminating against people, therefore San Antonio's right and Arizona's wrong. And this, if nothing else, I I don't expect you to agree with me. Please don't agree with me just because I say something. But at least please understand that I'm trying to present to you as fairly as I can the other side's argument, because you're saying that these things are different and they're saying that, yes, they're different, too, but for the exact opposite reason. And the reality is, in both cases, you have governments telling private corporations, we don't like something you've done, therefore, we're going to do something against you. And that, I think, is problematic. Now, that being said... Uh, Earl in Delanagal wants to change my mind on this one too. Earl, help yourself. Yes. Uh, Chick-fil-A's decision is based upon their Christian belief. An assault upon them is an assault upon Christianity. That is protected by the Constitution. When Nike, I believe they are a foreign-owned corporation. I, you know, I, I actually think they're American. Uh, Okay, I understood that there were a Japanese. I, uh, but there are, and it is an assault on our national flag. Right. And I believe our national flag is protected. Well, yeah, it, it, under federal law, though, it's the current flag, not the old flag, uh, that is protected. You're right on that point. But can we just all acknowledge that secularism is religion as well? I mean, it has all the uh, it has all the the symbols of religion. It has sacraments. It has uh, it has uh, causes that you engage in for spiritual well being. It has priests. It has churches. Churches typically are their churches of commerce and Planned Parenthood. It, it has the pre the high priests or the Planned Parenthood owners. The sacraments include abortion and wokeness and taking to the streets and marching in protest. Uh, it also has endeavors um, for where Christianity is. You have salvation by grace alone. Uh, secularism is a works based religion where you have to. Uh, march in the pride parade and you have to go to Planned Parenthood and you have to figure out as a man how to get pregnant so you can have an abortion, all of these things. It is a religion. It is as much a religion as Christianity. And and for San Antonio to say, well, this religion is bad, that religion is good, is is wrong. Now, here again, though, I, I'm okay with what Doug Ducey did. If this is the road we're going down, if this is the road the left wants to go down, then, then I'll go down it with Doug Ducey. But I really think no government should turn down a corporation or punish a a corporation because of the actions of that corporation when it comes to their speech towards their giving. Uh, This should just be about commerce. Unfortunately, this isn't the path the left has wanted us to go down. And if that's not the path we're going to go down, well, then I'm on the side of conservatives and I'll go with Doug Ducey. Happy birthday to Pam's boyfriend. He'll know.
Now, let's go back to the vault. Matt, incoming, you're going to be next. Welcome. How are you, Matt? I'm good. How are you, Eric? I'm great. What's going on? So, uh, I, I kind of get how this how you're doing this thing. You're playing devil's advocate, and I, and I get that. And I'm not here to, to sway you or sway anything. I want to give you the direct answer. And All the right. direct answer is morality. What does it really come down to? And it comes down to right and wrong. Mm-hmm. And I know that the left is going to say that they're right, and I know that the right is going to say that they're right. But it's one company is grassroots American morality. Mm-hmm. They supply jobs. They give back to the community. Um, I mean, it's that's what it is. That's what it is right there right. in front of you. While Nike, on the other hand, you you just listed every reason as to what they are against, mm-hmm. and you and you said it right there. It's a, against America. So the big the big answer there is morality. It's right and wrong. One is right. One side is right. One side is wrong. Yeah. Everybody wants to say they want to be on the right side of history. Why can't we just be on the right side of what really is right and wrong here? Well, and you know that I listen. I don't disagree with you at all, and I doubt very many listeners do. But there's a problem, and you know what it is: the left thinks they're right, and the left thinks their values now reign supreme. Remember the the great quote from Archbishop uh, Chapu that evil preaches tolerance until it's dominant, and then it seeks to silence good. That's what we're seeing in this country. You've got the New York Times running op-eds from people saying we need to harass government employees for working for the Department of Homeland Security. You've got the Washington Post running op-ed saying Republicans should be chased out of restaurants. That's what's going on here. But you're right. You're absolutely right, Matt. Good evening. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, Atlanta's Evening News on WSB. I am around until 7 o'clock tonight, so if you want to still talk about the Nike situation, you can call in and talk about the Nike situation. Those of you who are on hold, please be patient. I will get to your phone calls. A lot of you want to distinguish. And you know what? I, listen, we may disagree on this, but I'm happy to hear your take on the Nike Chick-fil-A thing, how they dis, how they differ, or just the Nike thing in general and this woke culture stuff. I do want to spend a little bit of time on the woke culture situation. Uh, the phone number here, if you want to be a part of the program, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. My buddy Matt Lewis, uh, you probably, you've seen Matt Lewis, uh, CNN, he's written at the Daily Beast, he, he's written it a lot, he's an author. I've known him forever, in fact, the very first time I ever met, met Matt uh, was at a Leadership Institute training session here in Atlanta, uh, years ago, actually, when I was in college. He was in college, he was helping the Leadership Institute, and Matt has been on a Twitter tirade for about 24 hours with something that if you've been a longtime listener of this program, you've heard me say repeatedly. Uh, the left in this country is very much putting conservatives who are not Trump fans in a situation where you are either with Trump or you're with them. And if you're with them, you have to abandon your values. And he's been commenting on this, that in the Democratic Party right now, there really aren't a lot of people in the Democratic Party who are willing to say, you know what, we're going to accommodate people who don't necessarily care for the president, but they're not progressives. And he's been noting that the closest that's come is the vice president, or Joe Biden, 
And yet Joe Biden, to be able to get through the Democratic primaries, having to shed all those things off. For example, the Hyde Amendment, the Hyde Amendment saying that you do not have to the government cannot fund abortion providers. They can fund other services, but none of the federal dollars can go towards abortion. And Joe Biden was one of the chief champions of the Hyde Amendment when he was in Congress. He was a champion of preserving it when he worked for Barack Obama. Now he said, oh, no, 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 we got to get rid of it. And what's so interesting is that Matt's making these points that that there's no it's everything is very binary now with the political left, that if you are a conservative and you support traditional marriage and you go to Chick-fil-A and you support gun rights, well, you're a hateful, homophobic bigot and we don't want you. And if you go with the left and you say, well, you know what, I'm going to vote for you guys because I don't like the president, but I'm a Christian, I'm a regular churchgoer. Well, you're a bigot, too. Uh, You're either a deplorable or you're all in with them. And Matt is pointing out this is no way actually to move forward as a country, but also it's no way forward for the left. Now, interestingly enough, Matthew Inglesias, who writes at Vox, he's not a very bright guy. And listen, I, I don't say that about a lot of people, but this is the guy who looked at a map of Miami and couldn't figure out why the city wasn't expanding to the West. Hello, Everglades. Um, he actually is a guy who has uh, been very, very public over the years that he believes that politicians should lie and that the left should lie because the right lies, the left should lie. That That's his, his stated position. And he's got a piece up today that uh, the Democrats are going to lose to Donald Trump in 2020 because they're not moderating themselves and that they should moderate, even if it's a lie, even if they don't believe it, they should moderate themselves. And one of his points is on Kamala Harris and her view now uh, with Bernie Sanders that we should have Medicaid for all. We should get rid of private insurance. She raised her hand at the Democratic debate, and now she's trying to walk it back. She can't figure out her position on health care. As an aside here. It's actually kind of striking that you have uh, Kamala Harris, Kamala, Kamala, I, I, very, however you want to say it, running for president of the United States. She was a, the attorney general of California. She's been a United States senator, and she has 20 positions on health care, and she can't stay consistent. It's actually pretty striking about her as a candidate that she can't stay consistent on these issues. She's happy to attack Joe Biden and say he's not a racist, but he is, um, and she can't have a position on health care. She raises her hand with Bernie Sanders on do you want to scrap private insurance and get rid of private employer insurance and have government-only insurance? And then she says, no, maybe not. It just It's very interesting. So we're seeing this confluence of events uh, with woke culture here in the United States, and we're seeing it play out in the Democratic Party. And I I know I sound like a broken record when I say this, but y'all, it really is religious. And I, I I mean that at a spiritual, philosophical, theological level, at a political level, however you want to take it. Uh, Pete Buttigieg is out now saying that Democrats have to connect more with people of faith, but also saying that if you're a conservative supporter of the president, uh, you're a hypocrite. And my response to Pete Buttigieg is everybody's a hypocrite. We're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. That you could call a Christian who supports the president a hypocrite, but not also call yourself a hypocrite is actually pretty telling that you don't understand the faith that you claim to have, except he's Episcopalian. So uh, there's that. We're seeing this across the board, though, with the left. We're seeing it in their defenses of Antifa supporters in Portland, Oregon, attacking Andy No. We're seeing this with the New York Times today. Uh, the New York Times has an op-ed saying America never really was a great country, and it certainly isn't now. They've also got another op-ed saying it is okay to harass government officials because they work for Donald Trump and they're advancing policies you abhor. This is all a very religious sentiment. The 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 secular 
growth in this country. Religion never goes away. Listen, now I am a Christian and at a theological level, I think we're all created in the image of God. And if you read Romans 1, you find that God echoes his reality through nature, through us. He's reflected everywhere. And so I really believe at a theological level that when you get rid of the God of all creation, you don't actually get rid of a God. You create idols and they become your gods. You never actually get rid of religion altogether. That is why so much of secularism is taking to protesting in the streets and to social justice. It is a way to find salvation, to find a path of salvation. They want to put others on a path of salvation, but there's a real danger that's cropping up here. And we're seeing this in these debates with the Democrats. We're seeing this with Antifa in Portland. Uh, How do you affect salvation for a secular person? Well, you have to do certain things. You have to embrace certain ways, whether it's veganism or getting rid of your gas-powered car or turning your your heat up or turning your heat down in the winter and your air conditioner up in the summer, uh, things like that to connect to the environment. But ultimately, you're still not saved as long as those who disagree with you still exist. And that's where this turns dark over time. Uh, all of the progressives who are defending Antifa in Portland against Andy know what they're essentially saying is that they're okay with totalitarians as long as the totalitarians are on their side, not the side of conservatives. It is very much religion. They're, they're, they believe in God and God is on their side, uh, except theirs is not the God of creation, but a God they themselves created. And the salvation component of this with secularism is very, very dangerous for all of us because what we're seeing more and more is that unless you can be silenced, unless you can go away, unless you can stop polluting the environment, then even the people who are on the right side of history are, are going to be in trouble because you still exist. If all of you are out there polluting and having five-child families and driving big polluting Suburbans to fit all of your kids in it, you're causing a problem for the people who are supposed to be saved. So something has to happen to you for them to fulfill their salvation. And we see this in public policy. Uh, You have more and more cities now trying to find ways to disincentivize people having having kids. Or look at corporations. Do you know why so many major corporations have come out in favor of abortion rights in the last several weeks? Because if they continue to have female employees leaving the workforce to have kids, it's bad for their business. They like the idea of abortion because they like the idea of having female workers to get a male-female ratio that's balanced for them, but they can't continue to do that if their female employees are having kids. So abortion on demand. It's all part of a religious aspect of what we're seeing. And, and this, uh, whether you're versus Chick-fil-A versus Nike, San Antonio versus Arizona versus, versus um, uh, Buffalo, New York versus Los Angeles versus Georgia, and the, this is all... Politics has become a religion to the left, and that's why, though I think that government should not engage in the crony capitalism like um, like Governor Ducey, like Georgia does. I don't think government should give tax benefits to major corporations. I, I don't. I think we should just level the playing field and let people compete. They'll want to come if we have a business-friendly environment. But that's not the reality we live in, and if we're in the reality we're in, then I'm going to side with a guy like Governor Ducey over – the city council of San Antonio or with Nike that clearly has problems with this country, even though they could not be the company they are without this country. So when I was in college, one of the very first things I did was I got a credit card. I was out of the house. I was free. I got a credit card. Ah, I should have never gotten the credit card. Never get the credit card. Tell your kids don't get the credit card. But what happens when you do get the credit cards and they start to add up? 
you're carrying revolving debt. You're not paying off your credit cards each month. It's stressing you out. You could be paying thousands in interest every year. You don't have to. With Lending Club, you can consolidate your debt. You can pay off your credit cards. You can get one fixed monthly payment. Since 2007, Lending Club has helped millions of people regain control of their finances with affordable fixed rate personal loans. There are no trips to a bank. There are no high interest credit cards. All you do is go to LendingClub.com. You tell them about yourself, how much you want to borrow, Pick the terms that are right for you. And if you get approved, your loan is automatically deposited in your bank account in just a few days. It's the number one peer-to-peer lending platform. Over $35 billion in loans issued. So what do you do? You want to check this out? Go to LendingClub.com slash Eric. You check your rate in minutes. Borrow up to $40,000. That's LendingClub.com slash Eric. LendingClub.com slash Eric. All loans made by WebBank. Member of FDIC. Equal housing lender. Welcome back. It is Eric Erickson. As promised, I will spend time now with your phone calls. We will go from whoever has held the longest, and that is Ken, who has been very patient in Noonan. Ken, welcome. How are you? Hi, Eric. First time calling. How you doing, buddy? I'm great. Listen, I had a couple thoughts. First of all, there was somebody in marketing that decided it was a good idea to put the Betsy Ross flag yes. on the tennis shoe. I mean, they had the whole thing designed. Yeah, but didn't they think that maybe this might be offensive, or did they wait until Colin Kaepernick called and told them that it was offensive? Apparently, he's their conscience. (laughs) Well, he must be their spokesperson also. Yeah, he is. CEO and, you know. Right. Yeah, by by the way, um, I think the Wall Street, I think it was the Wall Street Journal uh, had some comments from uh, some of the prominent shareholders of Nike that they were a little bit concerned that one guy could scrap their plans. Mm, Yeah, well, you know, hey, they made their bed. Yeah, no, yeah they did. Well, and, you know, here's the thing. Can I, I just got an email from and thanks very much for the phone call. I got an email from a friend of mine who's in uh, Arizona who said they're probably going to do the deal anyway without the Arizona tax incentives uh, because they need the facility. So there you go. OK, Dan and Loganville, Chick-fil-A versus Nike. How do you see it? Uh, yeah, you I'm a little confused based on your last monologue. It seemed like 30 minutes ago you were stating there was no difference between San Antonio's treatment of Chick-fil-A and Arizona's treatment of Nike, and I see a distinct difference. What, what's San the Antonio, difference? San Antonio told Chick-fil-A, you may not do business at the airport. You mm-hmm. are barred from the airport. In Arizona, if I read the reports correctly, all they did was say, we're not going to give you subsidies to come here. They didn't say you can't Hey, come. you know what? Okay, Dan, you, my friend, get something no one else has ever gotten from me, only because I'm in studio and someone has it here. The bell. I have no idea whose bell this is, but this is the difference, Dan. Thank you for finally getting to the difference. Yes, uh, Nike is still able to build their facility in Arizona. Chick-fil-A cannot build their facility in the airport. Uh, that is the the overriding difference between the two. Now, there is a commonality, though, and the commonality shouldn't be downplayed either. And The commonality is that uh, both San Antonio and Arizona are doing what they're doing because they don't like something a corporation did. Uh, so they're lashing out. And and that I don't think they should have the power to do, uh, whether I like the corporation or not. And I'm, I'm not a Nike fan. Uh, but yes, thank you. You you don't have the 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 single big differentiating factor here is Nike can still build its facility in Arizona. Chick-fil-A cannot build its facility 
in San Antonio's airport. But it's both because the city and the state are punishing them for what they've done. All right. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here. Going to spend this whole half hour on your phone calls, except there's breaking news. The president has abandoned the citizenship question for the census. Uh, You know, the Supreme Court said that it was lawful for him to do it, but they questioned the circumstances of him adding it. The White House has announced that the census will go to print without the citizenship question. Now, to your phones. uh, Let's see. All right. Stephen Cleveland, you're next. Welcome. Hey, Eric, I got a quick one for you that's going to appeal to your sci-fi nerdiness a little bit. All right. All right. So follow me here. Revenge of the Sith, that movie. If you compare the liberals to the Anakin and uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi standing at the, the foot of the spaceship there at the end where he's like, uh, only the Sith see uh, Steve. over the pursuit of the truth. Wait, you got to say that again because you you got to the only the Sith and then you died. But I I, I know the quote. But let, let's yeah, only the Sith see things in absolute, yep. and the liberals only see things in absolute, and they're the true pursuit of power. You could probably do half a show on comparing Star Wars universe to our current situation. <laughs> Although remember re- re- remember that it, when when George Lucas decided to reboot that. Uh, in the Phantom Menace, the bad guy's name was Newt Gorich. Why? Because now he says there was no connection, but the reality is that was after the Republicans had taken back Congress, and he didn't like Newt Gingrich, and so the bad guy's name was Newt Gorich. Yes, the 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 Trade Minister. Those were some horrible movies. Listen, I realize that if you're you're a millennial. Uh, you probably like those are those are yours there. But the originals, the originals are the good ones. I pretend that those those three prequels did not happen. Because they didn't, they were bad. I mean, the last the, the last Jedi was garbage too. Alan Sanders, don't you text me. I know you're listening. Don't you text me, Alan Sanders. It was a bad movie. It was OK. Alan likes it. <laughs> uh, Aaron in Atlanta, welcome to the program. Hey, Eric, I know you were talking about um, the Nike and Chick-fil-A thing, but I had a question um, for you about when you were talking about leftism as a religion. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I know um, when, uh, I guess, people who have sincerely held religious beliefs challenge, you know, a state law or an ordinance or something like that, Mm -hmm. uh, similar to the Masterpiece case, uh, excuse me, Masterpiece Cake Shop case, um, the Supreme Court can, I guess, can question the sincerity of someone's religious beliefs. Do you think that it would ever come to the point where someone on the left, say, challenging a state law or ordinance, would say that, you know, secularism is my religious belief? And if they were able to do that, um, how do you think that would pass constitutional so, well, so first, um, the Supreme Court, actually, you're, the government's not allowed to question your sincerely held religious belief. If you say it's sincerely held religious belief under oath, they can't question it. That was, that was in the Masterpiece cake case, that, um, that you can't question it as the government. Uh, you, you may say that it doesn't matter because it interferes with civil society. Uh, but the other reason it, we're here with all of these cases is because the government has said, essentially, um, that— the the free exercise the freedom from religion the establishment clause it requires that government embrace secularism and what they failed to understand is that uh, I mean listen I realize there are anti theists out there but there's also no such thing as an atheist everybody believes in a god uh, where you put your money tends to be what you worship and 
but the way the Supreme Court views it under under the law and precedent is that secularism isn't a religion, and that's going to be the default uh, for the government, which I think is a bad reading of the Establishment Clause. Clarence Thomas and Justice Scalia agreed. Uh, Neil Gorsuch agrees. Kavanaugh seems to agree. Alito and, and um, Roberts. So we may very well see a shift here in the next year with some of the cases coming on that. But for now, the government can't question your sincerely held religious belief and secularism is not considered a religion by the Supreme Court. Now, let's see. Uh, Christian in McDonough, welcome. How are you? Good. Uh, how are you? My favorite Viking. Anyway, a reformed Viking, but uh, for the millennials, your younger listeners, if you like to read history, and I, I encourage everybody to, the first governor, let me remind everybody, the first governor was John Trutland from Austria, kicked out by the Catholic Church. There's a monument down in Savannah called the Salzburgers Monument, and it's the official apology from the Catholic Church. They kicked him out of Salzburg. They came, They went to England, whatever. King George said, hey, there's a guy named Oglethorpe. He's really cool. Y'all need to move down there, hang out in Savannah. Oglethorpe said, hey, we need some suckers, excuse me, settlers to go up the Savannah River. There's no settlers in the interior yet. So 2,000 of them went up there. Half of them died, by the way. You'll never guess why half of them died. But every single one of them was an indentured servant serving the King George. You know... I, I really thought that John Trutland had to be from Trutland County. <laughs> Negative. He's Austrian. Our yeah. first governor was an Austrian, but he was kicked out. And here's a little twist of history. Uh, Martin Luther King, you know, one of our patriarchs, mm-hmm. when he was born, his name was Michael, Michael Sr.'s dad, Michael Jr. And they were studying the Reformation, the whole nine yards, about protests or Protestants, protesters, mm-hmm. whatever. But um, when they were born, their names were not Martin Luther. Do you know what their names were? What's that? Michael. Michael King Jr., Michael King Sr. But they changed it in honor of a German monk who who turned out to also be a brewer. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a friend of mine who who went to seminary over there and, and got to stay in, in Luther's house where he did his brewing. Christian, thanks for the history lesson. Yeah. It gives you some great perspective on what we're dealing with here in Georgia. David and Tyrone, welcome. How you doing, Eric? I know you don't do it anymore, but <clears throat> maybe we need to start a purple state. A purple state? Instead of the red state? Yeah. The, for the whole thing, my whole thing with this Chick-fil-A and the Nike thing, government needs to get out of boardrooms. Mm-hmm. Period. End of story. Yep. Yeah, I, I think uh, they do. When, when, when government tells a – and this goes beyond corporate America. This goes back to uh, me as a proprietor. When I'm told I have to make a cake yeah. for somebody, no, government needs out of private business. Yeah, yeah, you know – Unless it, that private business is infringing on – Life, liberty, or property. David, I'm, I'm glad you said this because it is an interesting juxtaposition in the Washington Post celebrating the, the owner of the Red Hen, the, the restaurant that threw Sarah Sanders out, uh, saying that uh, Republicans who work for the president or believe what he believes should not be welcome in restaurants. But you got to bake the cake, bigot. I mean, listen, I'm all in favor of people saying I, I, I property rights. I, I don't want to serve you. I don't want you to do business with me. Therefore, I opt out. And I think if we go there, that's fine. But what the left is saying is they want that, but they don't want you to have that. Uh, They want to say, no Republicans allowed, but Christian, you better bake that cake. 
thread on Twitter tells me that this is Kurt Mellish's bell for a 10 on the Mellish meter. I, I've, as many times as I've been in the studio, I've literally never seen this bell. And yet tonight, here it is. So, all right, Doc in Philadelphia. We've got less than a minute, but wanted to get you in here. In my opinion, Donald Trump is not a Christian. He doesn't attend church. He doesn't protect those who cannot help themselves. He does not. He is not a good steward of the earth. He's a misogynist. He's an egotistical, maniacal well, liar. You know, so here's the thing. I, I think a lot of Christians would actually privately agree with you. I know a lot of pastors would, but what's the alternative? Uh, we got a guy who is willing to appoint pro-life judges. He's willing to stand up for people of faith, and he's willing to say that the government can't bully people of faith versus Democrats who say, we're going to shut down your businesses, we're going to shut down your private schools, and we're going to come for everything you believe in. It is Eric Erickson in for Mark Aram, a third hour tonight. Welcome. The phone number has not changed. 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talk. The name of the station hasn't changed either for now. Um, so I want to talk about the parade in Washington, D.C. The the vice president. Uh, well, yeah, OK, yeah, let me let me deal with the vice president issue first. I, I don't want to conflate the two. It was a very weird confluence of events today. The vice president was headed to New Hampshire for an event in New Hampshire to talk about the opioid crisis. He wound up getting on his plane. He got on Air Force Two and then. They announced that he something came up, he had to go back to the White House. Well, while this was happening, just to keep perspective of why people were concerned, uh, the Kremlin announced that Vladimir Putin had gone into a closed-door meeting with his uh, National Defense Service, and the Europeans announced that the European Security Council had gone into a closed-door session, all while the vice president was returning home. Now, maybe something actually happened. I'm, there are people at the White House trying to say it was really nothing, it was kind of dumb if you knew what happened, no big deal. Okay, I, I'll give them that. But it was very interesting that this happened while the Russians were going into a closed-door meeting and the Europeans were going into a closed-door meeting. Vladimir Putin, it turns out, went into a closed-door meeting because 14 Russian sailors were killed on a submarine that caught on fire, the internal fire on a submarine on a deep-sea mission. Uh, at least that's the story. I mean, maybe, I, I'm sure the, the QAnon folks will weave some elaborate conspiracy for it. Um, but now— while all of this is happening, big buzz in Washington is about the 4th of July. The president didn't get his military parade, so there are going to be tanks at the 4th of July festivities. People are really livid about this in Washington. The president has taken control of planning the 4th of July celebrations in Washington, D.C. He is uh, moving tanks. Actually, the tanks are from Fort Stewart here in Georgia. They're going to take them up. And now there's real concern that the bridges over the Potomac aren't capable of holding the weight of the tanks as they pass over. They're not sure they're actually going to be able to bring them into Washington, which, by the way, can we just admit it actually is kind of refreshing from a liberty perspective that the bridges into our nation's capital might not be uh, sufficient enough to carry the weight of the tanks coming into the city. Um, <laughs> so but so they're really, really mad that the president, Jamie Dupree, actually uh, put up a picture on his Twitter account earlier of he was at the Lincoln Memorial and they were literally rolling out the red carpet. Uh, not not a figurative statement here, literally rolling out the red carpet on the stage for the president for Thursday. He's going to make an appearance. The White House is giving tickets away to donors, which, which by the way, Every White House gives away tickets to donors to come to the White House to watch the fireworks display. And now suddenly it's a scandal. This is one of those things where if the media didn't think it was a big deal for President Obama, I don't know why they think it is a big deal now. They're trying to say, well, it's it's different. It's different. It's it's not really different. 
he did the same thing. What is different, though, is that this president is is investing himself in the design of the 4th of July ceremonies and the fireworks display. In fact, they've moved the fireworks to the Potomac. And you can't appreciate this being in Georgia, and I can't really appreciate it from being in Georgia. But the fireworks display in Washington has in the past been shot off in the mall. And people got on their boats and they hung out in the Potomac and they could watch the fireworks from the river. They're not going to be able to watch the fireworks from their boats in the Potomac because the fireworks are going to be launched from the Potomac. Not only that, Reagan National Airport is having to shut down because now the fireworks will be in the flight path of planes taking off and landing at Reagan National, and they don't want to dodge the fireworks um, coming out of, uh, of the Potomac as they're trying to land. So the whole thing is discombobulated, and people in Washington are really, really upset with this, which, you know, I forget the philosopher who it was who said it was, um, oh, what was the guy's name? I can't remember, but basically that you are a conservative in what you know. Everyone is conservative in what they're good at. And people in Washington, D.C., who pride themselves in being very progressive are actually very conservative in that they don't want their 4th of July celebration changed. They want the same fireworks shot from the same place with the same schedule and the same setup and the same stage and the same people and the same ability to watch it from the same locations done exactly the same way. And because Donald Trump has said, no, I'm going to do something that's better, they're upset about it. And here's the thing that you and I can both be sure of. They're never actually going to be able to acknowledge if it is good. And we don't know. We haven't seen it yet. But if it is good, they're still not going to be able to acknowledge that it's good. They're going to hate it because Donald Trump did it, which is part of the my frustration with politics today, the, this orange man bad syndrome that you're never able to acknowledge that he's done something good. I, listen, I've got serious reservations about him. And like I wrote today at The Resurgent, I, I really think that I've got to be willing to call him out when I think he's done something wrong, like this border situation. Uh, I, I think there's area to be improved. The, the North Korean dalliance, I think, is a terrible thing. And I've got to be willing as a supporter to say this is wrong. I shouldn't be tribal and say it's bad just because I don't like the guy. I, I'm going to vote for him and I'm willing to, to say what he does is good, but I should be willing to say it's bad. The problem is most people in the media are no longer willing to do that. Everything he does is bad. It's presumed to be bad. The default is that it's bad, whether or not it actually is. Now, uh, other situation in the news, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, AOC, she went to the border. They wanted to give her a tour of, of a facility. She decided instead to berate the agents at the border. Now, there are mixed media reports as to whether or not she actually toured the facility. Uh, there appears to be a significant claim she never actually toured the facility. She she toured the periphery of the facility. She didn't go in. And she is uh, echoing a woman who was in the detention facility who was being told, she said, to drink out of the toilet. Here's the problem that we've been able to figure out today already. There is a, in these facilities, there is a weird design. You have, I know this, this sounds terribly gross, but there is a sink and there is a toilet and they are built into one common unit uh, using potable water. So it appears that the woman who was telling AOC that the government told her to drink out of toilet was actually telling her to use this thing that is a combination sink. And it, I can't really describe it for you. So the the sink is very elevated behind it. And then the water flows down from there. And like the wastewater goes into filling the toilet. So you've actually got clean water 
in the sink drinking area that goes down into this toilet area. And Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez is, is championing all of this. I shouldn't say championing. She's echoing all of this. She's saying all of these things, and we don't actually know if it's true. It's not confirmed. The other thing that's happening is that they've released pictures of the overcrowding in the detention facilities. And this is what really makes me mad about the situation. There are pictures from the Obama era, and the crowding was worse. You don't have to believe me. You can see the pictures. The problem is that the pictures came from Brandon Darby, who wrote for Breitbart. And because the left wanted to discredit Breitbart, they didn't treat Brandon Darby's reporting as legitimate and serious, even though it was. That They decided to dismiss the messenger because they didn't like the message. They didn't like to know that this was happening while Barack Obama was president. But that brings me to some audio that we should play. I meant to play it last night, and I didn't get a chance. Jay Johnson was Barack Obama's Secretary of Homeland Security, and he's been out at the Aspen Institute, the big think tank out in Aspen, Colorado, and they asked him about the pictures from him in a facility a while back where he was seen to uh, be walking through a facility where there was a bunch of people who were detained. They were sleeping on the floor uh, and on these pallets. And I just, I, you really should hear what Jay Johnson had to say about this. It, it's fascinating. A photograph from 2014 that has suddenly gone viral again this week mm-hmm. um, that shows you at a holding facility walking past what appears to be children in cages. Mm-hmm. Would you take us to that moment? What was the situation that day? Um, and when you look at this photo that is now circulating now and being used as part of the Trump administration's argument that they inherited a bad situation that you guys well, set up. very clearly, chain link, barriers, partitions, fences, cages, whatever you want to call them, were not invented on January 20, 2017, okay? The photograph you're referring to was a facility in Arizona. Uh, I recognize the photograph because Governor Brewer was with me, and it was during the spike, and we had a lot of unaccompanied kids, we had a lot of family units, and under the law, once they're apprehended by the Border Patrol, Within 72 hours, we have to transfer unaccompanied children to HHS. And HHS then puts them in a shelter and they find placement for them somewhere in the United States. But during that 72-hour period, when you have uh, you know, something that is a multiple, like four times of what you're accustomed to in the existing infrastructure, you've got you've to find places quickly to put kids. You can't just dump seven-year-old kids on the streets of, of McAllen or, or El Paso. And so these facilities were erected, and that one was, I think, a large warehouse, and they put, the, they put those chain-link partitions up um, so you could segregate um, young women from young men, from, you know, kids from adults, until they were either released or transferred to HHS. And is that, is that ideal? Of course yes. not. And the key quote here is chain link barriers, partitions, fences, cages, whatever you want to call them, were not invented on January 20th, 2017, the day Donald Trump became president.
Welcome back. It's Eric Erickson here, Atlanta's Evening News, the phone number. And this is important because I, I, I want to have a conversation with you guys about this Gallup survey. According to Gallup, uh, fewer Americans are proud of the United States than really at any time since Gallup's been doing the survey. Uh, it's actually very interesting data, and in particular, what's driving the decline is Democrats are deeply upset with the state of the country, and as a result, they are feeling not very patriotic. They're they're very upset with the country, and so I, I'm interested in how you guys actually feel about the country. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK uh, are the numbers. Now... In saying all of this, I'm, I want to give you some of the data. What I have actually found really striking in the data is that um, what it comes from, of all things, is Democrats have never felt as patriotic about the country as Republicans have. And what I find most striking about the graph in this is that even among Republicans, when Barack Obama was president— more Republicans still felt patriotic about the country than Democrats. I mean, consider this. Uh, in 2009, when Barack Obama became president of the United States, 45% of Democrats were patriotic and 55% of Republicans. We'll be back. All right, it is Eric Erickson in for Mark Aram. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talk Gallup survey says that uh, more Americans now feel less patriotic than ever before. How proud are you to be an American? Um, It is right now Republicans 76%, Democrats 24%, Independents 41%. Here's the thing that I find most striking is that when Barack Obama was elected in 2009, 78% of Republicans said they were proud, extremely proud to be an American. Only 45% of Democrats said it when Barack Obama was, re, was elected. Now, when Barack Obama was re-elected, pride for Democrats went up to 56%, pride in the country. Moderates were at, or independents were at 50%. Republicans were still at 71%. There is never, going all the way back to when George W. Bush was elected, there has never been a time where Republicans did not outpace Democrats on being proud to be an American. It's just, it's it's very, very striking. Uh, the phone number here, 404-872-0750-1800, WSB Talk. Doug in Conyers, you're going to be up next. Welcome. Welcome and very honored to be on the show. That Gallup poll just in itself is a very jaded opinion because based on the, the facts that you just gave, I mean, what what is their perspective of, of patriotism and it encompasses so many things. Well, now, so here's here's the question. Precisely the question is, how proud are you to be an American? Very. Well, that that so that's the question. And when asked how proud are you to be an American, 22% of Democrats say they are extremely proud, and 76% of Republicans say they're extremely proud. Now, uh, total breakdown, just so you know, uh, 45% of uh, American adults say they're extremely proud, say they are very proud. 18% say they are moderately proud. Uh, 9% say only a little, and 3% say not at all. Um, The people who are most proud to be an American are over 65. 
The people who are least proud to be an American are 18 to 29. And among political parties, uh, 76% of Republicans extremely proud, 22% of Democrats. Now, overall, the numbers, it is 22% of Democrats are extremely proud to be an American. 29% are very proud. Republicans, it's 76% extremely, 19% very. But uh, the striking one is uh, not at all. Uh, 2% of Republicans, 5% of Democrats, thankfully. Uh, but then with only a little bit proud, it's 33% Democrats and only 3% Republicans. Let me ask you this question. You, you put forth the number in the age generation, that younger generation, and the percentage of proud to be American. Do you think that can collate to the school and the teaching of history and how it has been? Oh, I, absolutely. And- I, I think this has a lot to do with education and uh, the lack of education that kids get about uh, the United States, particularly nowadays, World War II, there was some polling. It's very striking how uh, the lack of knowledge about D-Day among various generations, it almost overlaps exactly the are you proud to be an American question. The younger you are, the less knowledge you have of D-Day, and by the way, the less proud you are to be an American. Uh, there, there's almost a direct correlation there. Not a causation, but a correlation. All right, let's go back to Fred in Roswell. You're next. Welcome. Yes, uh, thanks for taking my call. Republicans are always more patriotic than Democrats. We, we work hard. We pay our taxes. We love our country. We send our sons and daughters to war. Democrats worship at the altar of wealth envy and political correctness and and identity politics. They're tolerant in every way except for people who disagree with them. They're diverse in every way except for thought process. I've got nothing for those people. <laughs> I will fight for them so they can have free speech and spew their venom. But, you know, we're, we're patriotic. We're patriotic to the core. And that's the way it's Fred, always. I, I, I have a feeling that you're you're getting lots of amens in the chorus tonight, Fred. That I'm I'm pretty sure you are. Um, oh, John, in, in Palmetto, good. This this is not about the patriotism thing. This is about AOC and the toilet thing. But I'm glad you called. Yeah, um, I just you know I don't understand how much intelligence you have to have to be in Congress. You, you don't what, have to have any. I mean, <laughs> there are people in Congress who I mean they voted for Nancy Pelosi for Speaker. Well, you know, anybody that has any sense at all knows that in jail cells and prisons and uh, state confinement, county, and all that throughout the whole United States, all the toilets and all that are, are one thing. They are, they're in their individual cells, and yes, they do drink from the top. They have a sink, and they sit on the same thing. But um, she doesn't. You know, she's never been in jail, so she doesn't know. The, you know, this is part of the problem that that I have with Olympia or with uh, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez is that she's never really lived life per se. She's been a bartender in New York City. She hadn't seen the rest of America. She's she's opining on and claiming to be an expert in ways people live. And she only just a month ago discovered what a garbage disposal was. And I'm not making that up either. She put it on Instagram. She had never seen a garbage disposal before. And yet somehow she wants to opine on how the rest of us should live. Bill in Marietta, you're going to be next. Welcome. Hey, Eric. Yeah, it was interesting how you pointed out that similarity between the two administrations with you know, the chain link fences, uh, separating the uh, people while they're in, you know, being incarcerated. But I think it's the other issues that are really of significance between the two administrations. I mean, it's you still have the issue of, you know, the kids that died under their care 
and the separation of the kids from the parents, some, you know, permanently with no system to reunite them, and that they're not being released within the 72-hour requirement, those are kind of the more significant things than the chain link fence. You know, the fact that they're going weeks and months without basic needs, you know, water and showers and things like that. Well, but, you know, they are now, they've got access to the basic needs to water and showers and stuff. And the, the conditions yeah, those, have actually those kids improved. went weeks without that. And, and you know, I, I hear what you're saying about the, the toilet. I'm, I'm, I've seen those things, but yeah. I, I don't know about you. I, I don't think you couldn't, you could put the finest champagne in a toilet and I'm not going to drink it. Now that, <laughs> I mean, that you may have the sink over the toilet, but would you drink out of a toilet? Well, listen, if that's all there is, and I mean, that's again, as, as the last well, caller said, that, that's is. that, well, that's the, that's the setup that a lot of prisons have. That's the setup they have there. I mean, if, if we want to bring in water fountains, I guess we can bring in water fountains, but they don't. Um, what they are doing though is, is they are actually giving them greater access to bathing. Now they are giving them greater sanitation access. All of these sorts of things they actually are giving them that they weren't being given before and in fact family separations have gone down that's not getting reported but there are actually fewer family separations now than there were during the obama administration which you're not allowed to say uh the media doesn't want to say that but that's actually a fact i I still think we can improve dramatically down there i'm not happy with it but it's not nearly as bad as they're saying it's certainly not a concentration camp I was going to take the caller who was from Great Britain and came here and then he hung up on me. Just fine. That's fine. You don't want to talk. It was it, it was going to be a British person who's now an American and, and how awesome our country is. I can tell you how awesome our country is. And we may actually do that tomorrow because I'm obviously going to take off the fourth. Uh, Mark has gone on and he's taken off the whole week. huh? Yeah. Yep. He's got more vacation days than me because he's been around longer. <laughs> But it is it's it's worth meditating on. As I mentioned earlier, the Constitution, or the Declaration of Independence, they began the debate today in Philadelphia in 1776. Uh, I mean, it, this is it's 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 history. It is our shared history, and it doesn't matter where where you came from in the world. This is our shared history because you got to remember the United States was the first country that was formed based on a written document, a constitution that was based not on the idea that we are here by blood, this country, but by we are all in this shared common experience. And it set the tone for the world. It it the American Revolution was an intrinsically conservative re- re- revolution because the Americans thought that they were British and they wanted the rights of the Glorious Revolution of of sixteen eighty eight. But then it morphed into this idea. So by the time the French Revolution came on, it was a radical revolution. The French wanted something new, but they based it off the American Revolution that wanted something old. And it's in a shockwave around the world. The shot heard around the world at Lexington and Concord kicking that off. It's We are a nation based on an idea, and that really does make us unique, contrary to so many other countries. 